0: My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As you know, today's uh, today's Gospel is the Gospel from Saint Matthew, the Gospel of the Parable of the Talents. It's the story of the Master who goes off on a long trip. And uh, he entrusts his servants with talents, expecting that while he's gone, they're, they are going to, they're going to do something with those talents that they have received. They're going, to, they're going to manage them. They're going to make them bear fruit. He's entrusting them, really, all his possessions, while he goes off on this long journey. And, uh, well, we begin with how he settles his accounts with his servants. And uh, immediately after he settles, or at, uh, after he speaks with the first, we hear these beautiful words. Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've made five more. And his master said to him, well done, my good and faithful servant, since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. These are beautiful words. Well done, my good and faithful servants. You were faithful in little things. You were faithful in small things. Good and faithful servant. Why were you good and faithful? What did you do? Well, we know we told the the high school girls yesterday in the meditation about the expectations of a mother for her child, how a mother, when she sees her child on her lap, she dreams about that child and she has expectations for that child, what that child could become, maybe who she could marry or what kind of job, that a child could have, what kind of profession. And she has wild dreams about that child. But those wild dreams of a mother or a father are nothing compared to the wild dreams that God has for you and for me. And when we're faithful, how happy he is. Well done, my good and faithful servant. How there is more joy in heaven over one who is faithful in small things who is who repents and of course God's expectations are based on the talents that he has given us the mother doesn't know fully the talents of her child but God knows the talents that he has given us He knows exactly. This includes your abilities, my abilities, but also the amazing apostolate that you can do. Your example with the same your girls that come here. The fact that you can help them to pray, that you can help them to settle on important things on your good works with them, on your sense of peace and fraternity, the very, the very fact that you have an ability to work, that you can teach them to work, your interaction with them, with the young girls, with the older ones, but even among the most successful people who have house and family and job. It is always very sad to see a wasted talent, since people never really plan to squander a talent. Nobody plans to do that. And they fail to use their talents, usually not because they decide specifically I'm going to ignore this talent I am going to squander this talent nobody nobody says that but because they never decide to embrace the opportunity to make those talents uh, fruitful it's sad to see the story of this one servant who only had one talent but he was afraid, and he went off. He says, he, "He he says it himself. I went off and buried your talent into the ground. Here it is. You have it back." He was he was paralyzed with fear. Why did he go and bury it in the ground? Even if he had just put it in the bank, even if he just went to the local bank, the CIBC or <laughs> the Toronto Dominion, and said, "Here's." Can you just hold on to this for a while? Well, you have to open it again. Oh, okay. okay. How do I do that? Well, what's your name? Here's your number. Here's your number. Okay, that's all you have to do. If you dig it in the ground in the backyard, what what did he expect? but That it was going to grow like a tree? (laughs) It's not going to grow. But he was afraid. This parable is so vivid and so easy to apply to ourselves that it quite naturally asks or leads us to ask a very simple question. What talents have I buried in the ground? Or what talents have I not developed? And if you're alive, and if you have a modicum of life left, you can still develop them. We all have our abilities, we all have our natural aptitudes, we all have our, our strengths. But is there a quality, a capacity, just a natural virtue, maybe, uh, that I have not quite fine-tuned, that an ability where I've stayed a little bit clumsy, I've not trained, not formed, not developed, from language to writing to knowing how to do a certain a certain task here in the administration we don't want to standing in front of God and and said and, and him saying to us I was expecting a, a little bit more from you that's why I put you in that center that's why I put you in that city that's why I put you in that family those who squandered their talents, perhaps they never got the opportunity that they were expecting to have, or they fail to see the real opportunity that is presented before them. They're They're kind of blind to the opportunities, or they're just unaware that these are opportunities. maybe in the apostolate we're waiting for the perfect opportunity for somebody to ask us the perfect question that maybe we're ready for or we're expected to be to be perfectly ready to answer the questions the perfect occasion when a girl will ask us something that we're ready to answer but that's the whole point is that they're not always easy easy to answer and even when somebody comes up with a difficult question to us, or a problem, how do I resolve this problem? And we don't know. We can say, well, you have a problem, I'll help you with this. I don't know the answer now, but we'll come up with something. That's an answer. Remember the first point of the way. This passage has had different translations, but I'm sure you've often felt a kind of electroshock when you read it. A kind of jolt. It's like a jolt to any faith that is slumbering along. That's why I always tell people to read point number one. When I meet people, I say, "Here, here! Take the way. Go off now." Now go away and, uh, and when you have a moment, do some prayer and just read point number one. Don't let your life be barren. Other translations, don't let your life be sterile. Be useful, blaze a trail, shine forth with the light of your faith and your love. With your apostolic life, Wipe out the trail of filth and slime left by the impure sowers of hatred. And light up, or other translation, set aflame all the ways of the earth with the fire of Christ that you you bear in your heart. Don't let your life be. Sterile. Don't let it be barren. Don't let it be fruitless. Blaze a trail. Lord, uh, as I do my prayer this morning, I know that what I carry in my heart is not merely a personal desire. It's sometimes on and sometimes it's off sometimes enthusiastic, sometimes not. It really is a talent that you have given me, that you have entrusted with me, that I can't go and dig a hole into the ground with. Is there anything that I have to dig up? It is sad also to see that sometimes there are plots of land in the city that are unused. There are certain very uh, highly prized areas in the city i saw this in montreal that were at one point gas stations they're usually on corners of major streets and people can drive in there get the gas and keep going but at one point for whatever reason the gas station goes out of business and they close it up but you can't just sell the the, the land that little lot to somebody else because by law they have to purify the land because it's been you know, it's contained large containers of gas and so they have to purify it and that takes a lot of money or they have to cleanse it. And so very often they say, Nobody wants to buy it, even though it's strictly speaking worth a lot. So they just put you'd think, well maybe you can put a parking lot there. That will serve for something. But then they put blocks of cement around it. And you can't even go and park there. So it's it's just a plot of land with blocks of cement. And that's it. And then an old boarded up gas station. Now how useless is that? You can't get more useless than that. Because it's an eyesore. It's a place for graffiti. And... um, and yet it is in prime real estate territory. Isn't that crazy? People drive by it and think, Oh, I can gas here. Oh, oh, no, it's boarded up. I can't go. Oh, no. Is it uh, at all possible that the Lord will put Will, will see me and my judgment and say, well, I put a precious seed, and I was hoping that with your freedom, your sense of responsibility, <coughs> that, uh, that you learned from your parents, that you furthered at school, the <coughs> formation that you got in the work, that this seed would grow into a large tree, that birds could take up their shade, or am I just a small sapling, barely able to stand up to the wind? Everybody receives something in this life. We can't just stay frozen, unproductive, unresponsive. So, how can we understand this? Well, perhaps uh, one area that we can look at is the fact that The master said to the servant, you have been faithful in small things, small things, come and join the happiness of your master, come and join. What does this this really mean for us to be faithful in small things? We know that the, the one with the one talent was very afraid, he didn't have much. I was afraid you are a demanding man you harvest where you did not plant Clearly this man was afraid of the master it meant it is meant to suggest that uh, this passage is if I, if I have a wrong-headed idea of the master if I have a wrong-headed idea of god and particularly what happens when i forget the truth of my divine filiation this is what happens when I forget the truth that I am a son or daughter of God I do that I get paralyzed and I bury my talents so considering our divine filiation is not just an occasion to feel I don't know more loved or, or, or trustworthy it's also a way to make our talents bear fruit because if we think God is a, a, a demanding taskmaster it can paralyze us that he harvests where he did not plant Is that what God is like of course if you think like this servant if you think that God is super demanding which he is of course he's demanding but if he's ticked off at the very fact of our existence then naturally we will be afraid it immobilizes us leads us to indolence a kind of weird immobility we can come to think, because we have a, let's say, not properly integrated understanding of God as our Father, if I can't do this perfectly, if I can't do this exactly right, God will all get mad, so I might as well just drop it, or not develop it. It can lead to, one of the things it can lead to is a form of perfectionism. Some say that perfectionism happens when our sense of self-worth depends on arbitrarily high goals that we set. We have very arbitrarily high goals uh, set and and therefore our self-worth depends on that and we can't reach those goals. And your worth depends on reaching those goals. But that's probably not the best definition. Because it's a perfectionistic definition. Is there a perfect level of self worth that you're supposed to have? Is there a perfect level of goals? That you're supposed to achieve that idea that you have a arbitrarily high goals and uh, and your self-worth depends on that that's a perfectionistic definition our goal is not to have a perfectly calibrated sense of self-worth, never to have a single doubt about our self-worth, always to think perfectly about ourselves as though our lawn were always perfectly manicured. That we have doubts is okay, that we are unworthy, of course, it's part of humility. Perhaps a better way to look at perfectionism is, is to see what they all perfectionists all have in common. Perfectionists have in common one threat. If you feel threatened by imperfections, by things that are not perfect, well, then you'll behave a certain way if you th- feel threatened by that. You'll do way too much to avoid mistakes or flaws or failures or errors. You will avoid errors and mistakes at all costs. You'll even stay up all night to make sure that uh, a job is done, that a meal is prepared, that an operativo is just right. So it doesn't have a single flaw. A work that you do here in the administration that has a flaw, that has a mistake, that is not a chaputha, as we say. A chaputha is shoddy work. And we know we're not supposed to do chaputhas, we're not supposed to do shoddy work. But sometimes work is not perfectly, we, we don't always have the time, we, we just do what we can. One example of perfectionism that can that can lead to a kind of a paralysis in us is the is over preparing things, over preparing, making sure that everything is immaculate. That, or let's say, you have to give a talk to the high school girls. You've been asked, can you give a talk on um, faith, on living faith in ordinary life? I don't know. And uh, and you ask, well, oh, when is the talk? Well, maybe you can give it next week. Next week? Oh, my God, I only have five days to prepare it. And every night we, we prepare and we prepare and we prepare. And the night before, we're all night dotting the I's and crossing the T's. This happens to students. They... They over a paper that they're supposed to hand in, and they do it so much that they end up handing it in, in late, and they get worse marks off for handing it in late. Or when we're detail-focused, when we are, we want no gaps, when, uh, when we see every little spot and there are ways of doing work well of using our talents if our energy is focused on on only perfectly aligning things perfectly and not using our talents as you want this is one thing that happens we can ask ourselves that is do I have a hyper focus on detail I mean our Lord does say you've been faithful in small things but that is not he's not saying you have been hyper focused in details. Come into the joy of your master. No, you you've been good at small things. You've been asked to do you've been you've done what you've been asked to do. But if we get obsessed with certain details, it's not the same as small work. It's not the same as work that is not seen. What is the difference? Well, When we get obsessive about details, that happens when we lose the big picture, when we lose the purpose of our work, when we lose a sense that this is meant to contribute to my sanctification, the sanctification of others, and for the service of others. The real meaning of work begins to get lost. When we do things, when we are faithful in little things, we have joy, we have serenity, we have peace. We know we're doing this for love of God. We're happy to do something with love and joy. We know we did it for you, Lord, even though nobody maybe noticed it. You were faithful in little things, come to the joy of your Master. But if we're obsessed with details, that's not the same thing. Then we say, it has to be like this, oh my God, I didn't do that perfectly. and everybody's going to notice this and that's more of a form of burying our talent in the ground one form of or let's say one expression of that is when we're always seeking reassurance that is making absolutely sure that nobody notices the flaws and being absolutely assured that you will be valued because the work that you prepare, the work that you contribute in the work that you collaborate in um, will be valued because of your contribution and nothing you did in there has any f- you cannot be blamed for any flaws ah, i didn 't do i didn 't know let 's we are seeking reassurance and we focus on the wrong place, the wrong thing, and lose a sense of. The process of the work that we're doing, as I'm doing it, or or negative goals. Always have negative goals. Make sure you know there, there's never a stain here. Never like always seeing things in terms of negatives. There's no wrinkle. We should be weary of ourselves if our main focus is to stamp out negative material in others, negative things in others. It can happen. We can, we can become too negative. All we see are the, are the flaws, the, the, the defects in others, and we feel that, that we, we cannot really ponder their negative quality, qualities and we just have to annihilate them rather than helping others grow. Our Father said, blaze a trail. It's, it's, when, when our Father says that, in the way, blaze a trail, don't let your life be barren. Blaze a trail, be useful. Shine forth with the light of your f- faith and your love. With your apostolic life, wipe out the trail of filth that is left and, and, and the slime that is left by the impure source of hatred. There's immensely. It's immensely positive. It's not perfectionistic. It's not simply trying to annihilate the the evil. I mean, it's, you know. Imagine somebody light up or set aflame all the ways of the earth with the fire of Christ that you bear in your heart. But if we think, I see error, I see defects, I see mistakes, I am going to take my bazooka and annihilate them. We become like uh, Rambo trying to free the prisoners in the jungles of Cambodia. And he comes in there and anybody who is even remotely in error... No, there's a the bird that moves <coughs> smashes the bird destroys the bird when the bird was just walking by mm. it didn't mean to it wasn't going against the soldiers that he was coming to liberate blows a trail our father said and he helped others to pray to use their their inability to converse with God he helped them to really Pray. Let us let us look at this these talents in a very positive way, and see our work here as a process, not just in terms of outcomes. I know yesterday you made cut cupcakes, and I saw the outcome with the different colors on the cupcakes. And you <laughs> wonder what, how do they make these colors? Like, what is, you know? But uh, but that's the outcome. That's the outcome. You have to focus on the kindness, the warmth, the gentleness with which you make those. That's the process. And that creates greater bonds with others that you establish with somebody else. That's the most important thing. Those are the talents we want. So that somebody goes away saying, well, I, yeah, I made some cupcakes, but so-and-so listened to me. She was kind to me. She was warm with me. She taught me this very well. That's a bond. That's a talent. That's what our Lord will say. Come into the joy of your master. And we will be happily agreeing to his proposal. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.